Blue Wire. Breeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. Jones with a high drive to left field. Gardner back, and that one is gone! A swing and a drive! The deep right! Away back! Off the pole! The Washington Nationals are world champions for the first time in franchise history. Episode 2 of the walk-off. I'm Holden Kushner along with Ryan Spader. I'm at Holden Radio. He's at the Ace of Spader, S-P-A-E-D-E-R. Ryan, I am so happy that we're with Blue Wire Pods. Also, we got no NBA, no NHL, no college basketball. Of course, no Major League Baseball. And you think, hey, there's nothing to bet on. You are wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager. Online casinos, they got poker, blackjack, open 24 hours a day, all online, so you don't have to be around dirty people. Sports are not totally done. We got MMA, we got esports on the rise, and if you're into entertainment, you can bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. So use promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. They're going to bet on some weather too, dude. Have you seen this? Can you bet on weather? Uh, I would I would think that you'd know. You what? can. I mean, would you bet on weather is what I should say. Uh, no, uh, okay. I would not. You're not as screwed as I am. Well, here's what we got. If you have listened to the podcast before, and again, this was back in 2018, we're the best baseball podcast. Now we're the walk-off. Um, I've always been a proponent of less baseball games. I'm glad we have a shortened season. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Ryan has some amazing stouts, stats on Trout, Carew, and Larry Walker. We got rules changes we need to address. We got the NCAA, college baseball, and seniors. Then we'll pick a couple classic games to watch. There's a list that I sent you. Anyways, here we go. We got no baseball. We don't know when baseball is going to start again. It could be late April. It could be May. It could be June. I don't know, but I'm going to tell you this once again. The season's too damn long. We need to get it down to 100 games. Start it in April. It'll be done earlier, and then we could have the playoffs in September, and everything's going to be better. There's no reason for 154, 162 games. And Ryan, you still have not, you have not whatsoever convinced me otherwise. I'm I'm not really out to convince you. It's just the way the game is meant to be played. 162 games. I would concede maybe even 154. But um, through all of this, what I am hearing is that uh, you're glad that there's going to be a short season. Um, I'm hearing that uh, Holden Kushner is happy that there's a global pandemic going on. All right. Now, sometimes we put words in each other's mouths. <laughs> this last time you put words in my mouth. I also want to say because of this global pandemic, you may hear my dog's and my kids run around because we're all stuck in the house right now. But seriously, why 154? Why 162? At this point, if we play 100 games, it's still a really long season. The best teams are still going to get to the playoffs. The beginning in April, there's such bad weather. There's no reason to really play games in anywhere but domes or warm weather sites. You know, April's just a waste. And by the time we get into September here, the football has started. Let's just put our playoffs on in September, and 100 games is perfect. It's never going to happen. The owners are going to lose money. The players are going to lose money. But 162 is such a grind. Don't you ever get sick of the season in the middle of the season? They say it's dog days of August, but seriously, right around the All-Star break every year, I get exhausted, and I just want to do something else. Um, no, I personally don't get sick of any of this. And, you know, I saw you tweeting a lot about the Nationals winning the World Series, and they're probably not a, a postseason team if you knock that down to 100 games. You as a former DC radio guy, and then, you know, your Nationals don't even end up getting in the postseason where they went on to win the World Series. Uh, it's important that baseball's played over a span of greater than 100 games you know give me at least uh, give me 144 which you saw in what was it 95 after the strike or um like i said 154 or 162 uh, as far as when this game is going to start picking back up uh, one thing i saw is that the epicenter of this pandemic in china it, it sounds like they're going to start the chinese professional basketball league back up coming uh april 2nd so um Perhaps baseball will start up sooner than we're anticipating. Yeah, but they really don't care if their people die. 
Sorry to get political on you, but like here, <laughs> we're going to. I mean, where am I wrong on this? You tell would, me all the human rights th <laughs> benefits that the Chinese people have. No I, way. I, they are going to be so overcautious. We have no idea when it's going to start, but you can't tell me the same timeline for the Chinese basketball league is going to be the same thing here. Plus, whenever we get this going again, Pitchers and catchers are probably going to need, and hitters are probably going to need, what, another week or two? It's probably two weeks of spring training. You get back into the swing of things? I think they're going to try to pick it up as soon as possible. And, um, you know, it's it's funny you say, uh, sorry to get political on you. Usually I'm the one to tread those uh, those waters. But um, I, I just, I think China, you know, you're looking at four times as many people. And if that's how quickly they've been able to turn it around, they're using the whole, I saw an interesting article in the Washington Post uh, of all places that um, <laughs> that uh, the Chinese quarantine method is far less effective than the social distancing. But of course, you actually have to engage in the social distancing, but we're not seeing. I went into the Wegmans the other day and I see a bunch of uh, what I will call Neanderthals, just taking photos of empty shelves as if everybody's not seeing the exact same thing across the country and then probably throwing it on Instagram or Snapchat because that's what they think they're supposed to do in a, a time like this. And it's it's just incredibly annoying. That but Seriously, you can't be in a dugout or a locker room right now. It's just not good. And I don't know when it's going to be better. You don't know when it's going to be better. And let me go back to my thing here where they need to shorten the season because it's too goddamn long. The whole thing is, you say, oh, the Nationals wouldn't have won the World Series. I wouldn't have known, so I wouldn't have been worse <laughs> off for it. If I don't know something, it's not going to bother me. Big deal. But you, you have, you would never have again teams making up, uh, you know, a dozen games with just a month, a month and a Why half not? left in the season because it's just not enough time to do so over a span of a hundred games. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to have a team eighty-eight games into the season who's playing forty-four and forty-four baseball who makes the postseason it's just not going to happen you know what we probably would have more mediocre teams we'd have so many more teams in the playoff race that then we'd have a, a complete well we'd have a baseball pandemic then we just people like you would be freaking out oh my god it's only 100 games please shorten the season there's too many other things going on come september you, come october i just just cut it off man it's frustrating because i know it's not going to happen yet it's the right thing do you think that major league baseball gives a shit that Holden Kushner wants to bet on the NBA and the NHL and uh, NFL and doesn't want Major League Baseball um, uh, impeding on his ability to do so. It's not impeding. It's just encroaching. Then 162 is too much of a grind, man. It's it, why the NFL is so successful. There's only 16 games. I think the NBA <laughs> and the NHL seasons are too long, too. You don't need 82 games. NBA, half the players take off. Go, go ahead and knock it down to 60. You, you and I are never going to agree on this. I just think the season's too long. All the baseball purists, 99% of the people listening right now are probably cursing my name, and I just don't give a damn. I'm fine with that, but I'm glad we'll have a shortened season this year. I win, you lose. Uh, moving on here. So <laughs> here's a serious question. Which players or teams does a shorter season benefit? Because I was thinking about the old guys, right? But I don't know how much that really affects the old guys. To me, it's more the players and the teams with injuries. You got a take on this? Yeah, well, I think it's going to benefit the guys who we see go out there and start 30 to 34 games and don't even reach 200 innings or just get over the 200 inning mark. You got you got guys like um, uh, Julio Ter and, and uh, Robbie Ray. Um, you go up and down the list, and really most of the guys throughout history, if you're throwing – at least 30 games started, you're going to get to that mark. So I think you're going to start seeing some of these guys get a little bit longer of a leash, even your Steven Strasburgs or your Garrett Coles, who threw right around 210 innings with 33 starts each last year. You might see them pushed into the eighth inning if they're the better option than the uh, bullpen. And then also another guy that comes to mind is um, Noah Syndergaard and then the sophomore, uh, I think last season was his rookie season, right, uh, Jack Flaherty. Who I, I think will, I think largely we're going to see benefits to the pitchers, less so to the um, to the uh, the uh, hitters, because typically when you see those those guys' injuries, they're not going down with Tommy John or like these type of injuries where it's because they're throwing a ball in an unnatural motion. It's usually freak things. Uh, you see John Carlos Stanton go down every season multiple times with these 
freak injuries and it's always wrapped in something called a, a strain, whatever. And um, it, I just don't see much of a benefit to the hitters where I do see it with the uh, uh, pitchers. Yeah, I think the Yankees, though, are going to benefit the most. You got Judge Stanton and Gary Sanchez and James Paxton all injured. So when you got two of your best hitters, three of your best hitters, really getting healthy and missing less time, that's going to help them. I think the thing I'm most excited about is that we're not going to see Otani uh, struggling not to pitch because he might be ready to pitch by mid-May. And if that's the case, then we could see him on the mound. Verlander's got the triceps. We might not see Chris Sale at all this year because the flexor strain, but this rest is going to help him in all likelihood. The injures, the Indians have a couple of starting pitchers, Carrasco and Clevenger, that'll have room to get uh, healthy. The The other guy is Joanna Cespedes. I don't know when Cespedes is coming back, but this is going to give him some more time to get healthy before the season starts. So the Mets actually might benefit from this, Spader. Yeah, and the Mets also have, like I said, Syndergaard, who, who may see a benefit there. Um, you expect... Um, uh, why DeGrom to be business as usual, regardless of how many games are going to be played. But um, I, I think that uh, it, it sounds like you're more so hopeful that the season's going to start mid-May and you're going to get that sweet spot where you're seeing 120 games, which it, it really does sound like you're hoping for, uh, you know, pro-pandemic guy. It, <laughs> you're such an asshole. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, you, I will come on probably in about two weeks and just start pining for the season to start because there's nothing else going on. That's the worst part of this. There's just nothing else going on, and we're going to want the season to start. We're just not going to have answers. Uh, let's move on. I did go back to uh, a couple of years ago and pull some of the imaging, and imaging is all the production stuff. So now it's time for Spader's Stats. <laughs> you ready? Oh, yeah. Did you like that? Do you think it's good or should I mix it up for next week? It's. It, I mean, I, I kind of thought now that we had a little bit of a, a budget, we would have some better production. But I guess we, what, we, what are you we still, talking about? We still have we got we still have Holden Kushner producing the show for us, I guess. Just explode everything back in sports radio in the 90s and early 2000s. And everything they had on the air was just throwing an explosion it was going to be good and get ratings or or set in a tunnel right yes echo, <laughs> echo chamber <laughs> spader stats 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 <clears throat> what do you got from mike trout i'd watch mike trout play 162 games he could play 162 everybody else plays 100 <laughs> uh well trout one of my favorite things that i've come across uh this off season is he leads all of baseball with 72 and a half wins above replacement since the start of the 2005 season, which you may realize Trout was not in the majors in 2005. Not only was he not in the majors, he wasn't even in high school. He was in eighth grade. So eighth grade Mike Trout to now leads all of baseball in wins above replacement. Wow. From 2005. You know, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up when I said I want a short season because all the records would just be different. Well, Mike I, Trout would not be able to play as many games and break the home run record. I don't care about that, but guys like you probably do. I've tried bringing that up with you in the past, that the sanctity of the records, and you know, you just what's, tell what's me to blow sanctity? it out my ass. I got, I got PEDs. I got uh, trash cans. Oh, I, you're, you're telling me Hank Aaron's using PEDs. Henry Aaron Babe was Ruth using PEDs. Is just drinking testicle juice from, what was it, a sheep? He allegedly injected sheep testicles, which is okay. why he missed part of the, I want to say, 1925 season and uh, got a bad batch. You got Pud Galvin, who used monkey elixir in the 1800s. He's in the Hall of Fame. Mind, What's monkey elixir? Uh, it's a testosterone serum derived from uh, you know, monkey testicles, of course. I bet you that didn't work. You know what? It might be Pud Galvin's fault that um, this uh, COVID-19 is going on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rod Carew. So this gives us a lot of time to do a lot of things around the house. My kids were sleeping last night. I had nothing. I went through all my old baseball cards. I must say, I I have more Rod Carew cards than I thought I would. He's one of my favorite players of all time. And when you start throwing out Rod Carew stats, I am all ears. Give me some Rod Carew Spader stats. All right, I'm going to give you a couple like just 
rapid fire. One of my favorites ever is that um, when he was named AL MVP in 1977, he could have gone an additional 0 for 96 and still won the batting title that season. What year was that? 1977. Oh, my God. Um, When... In the uh, year 1983, he was batting 500 with with 48 hits on the season through the 6th of May. It's a 500 batting average. He maintained a 400 batting average over the span of 167 games from May 8th to May 20, May 8th 1977 to May 21st 1978. And then a couple that I put out uh, just recently is he had this strange ability to um, steal home better than just about anybody. And uh, he had just 353 career stolen bases, but 17 of them were steals of home. In fact, he stole seven, uh, stole home seven times just in 1969 when he had only 19 stolen bases. So Carew has 17 steals of home in his career. And then when you combine Ricky Henderson, Lou Brock, Tim Raines, Vince Coleman, Joe Morgan, Willie Wilson, Burt Campanaris, Ichiro, Luis Aparicio, and Jimmy Rollins, you get 7,395 total stolen bases and just 16 steals of home. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Absolutely mind-blowing. I love it. I love it. So we got Trout and we got Carew, and I ask you to pull a third one. Larry Walker, who's going into the Hall of Fame here, and as we tape this, uh, as we have talked about, he's going to be the emergency goaltender for the Avalanche which would be actually hilarious if he got in because there was a couple of weeks ago in the NHL when an emergency goaltender got in. I don't know if they'll throw Moose Knuckles out there, but give me some Larry Walker stats. This guy belongs in a Hall of Fame. So we're going to have to get into the whole hangover effect thing another time because it's one of my favorite topics because I think I'm smarter than everybody about it. But um, I'll give you some core stuff uh, on him. Mm -hmm. So in his final 162 games, he batted 292-392. 526. This is his final 162, of which only 18 games were at Coors Field. Um, When you look at the numbers as a whole, well, first, the biggest comparison that I I made that people really had issue with was Derek Jeter because Walker was all around better than Derek Jeter. He just didn't hit those arbitrary benchmarks of the 3,000 hits. Um, well, he also didn't have an opportunity to play in the playoffs every year and accumulate some of the greatest playoff moments ever. Yeah, but you can't – to me, baseball's like the antithesis of a team sport. You like that word? What, antith- antithesis or team? <laughs> no. Or sport? <laughs> um but uh, didn't you just use antithesis completely incorrectly? Also, I don't. I have no idea. My vocab's not really my strong. I don't even know what the numbers you're saying today. All right, go on. But um, uh, Walker, when you look at his career numbers, sure he put up those monster numbers at Coors Field: three eighty one, four sixty two, seven ten. But elsewhere, he batted two eighty two, three seventy two, five hundred. Um, a quote that I really like from a guy who I used to do uh, his show, Ross Carey. He he said to me when I was dropping some. Uh, Larry Walker stats on him. He's Larry Walker was uh, Ted Williams at Coors Field and Billy Williams everywhere else. And uh, both are Hall of Famers and Walker should be too. Uh, you look at some Hall of Famers who are already, uh, who have already been enshrined. Uh, a guy like Chuck Klein comes to mind who played at the most hitter friendly park ever. He batted 395, 448, 705 at Baker Bowl, which had, I think it was 291 down the right field line. And uh, elsewhere, he was 277, 339. 451 so a shadow of himself everywhere else whereas larry walker was still playing at a hall of fame level regardless of what ballpark he was in we never talk about the uh baker bowl effect in all seriousness i'm not even kidding that was what in philly a long time ago yeah correct when they played like right. the 1800s early 1900s now you're talking uh 20s and 30s so I they think played they sw- all the way to the 30s in there yeah, I think they. I think it was gone in '37. Somebody can correct me on that. I'm sure. So but. all these guys were playing in the Baker Bowl, and we don't talk about them. You know, they don't belong in the Hall of Fame. Well, people are just ignorant. You know, they don't realize that. Well, I did. I was ignorant ignorant then because I didn't know that that's what it was. I just looked it up here. I mean, they got they played the World Series there in 1915. You got Babe Ruth playing there. They built it in the late 1800s. Uh, this is impressive stuff there. I like it. So Baker's take everybody that played back in the teens and the twenties. And if they played in the Baker bowl, their numbers are completely screwed. Just skewed so much that it doesn't even count anymore. 
Agree I, or disagree? I disagree. I don't like the it doesn't count anymore thing, but um, I, I, I think that just to quickly touch on the hangover effect, I think the biggest thing for me on a, on a Walker is that he kind of figured it out. Um, in his first two seasons at Coors, he really didn't play um, – well on the road, which is typical of a Rockies player. We saw it with uh, LeMahieu, who signed a very team-friendly deal with the Yankees because they thought he wouldn't be able to produce outside of Coors Field. But once that hangover effect that is traveling from Colorado and having to play at sea level was uh, was gone, he was able to figure out the game uh, across the board and put up similar numbers at, um, at, ho- at on the road as he did at home. Now, of course, Yankee Stadium is still a hitter's ballpark, and LeMahieu, uh, maybe not the best example because he still was playing in a, a hitter's ballpark, and yeah, his home numbers were a little bit better at Yankee Stadium, but all in all, it wasn't the kind of separation you see between a guy uh, playing at Coors and then traveling on the road and dealing with that hangover effect. All right, very good, my man. Uh, let's move on to our next topic it has to be about the rules changes because there are rules changes coming whenever baseball starts again we're going to see the three batter minimum for the relievers and 20 seconds to challenge as opposed to 30 seconds Uh, nobody besides for a manager is going to complain about the challenge right i mean we're just chopped off 10 seconds that's not going to save us very much time but i'll take one second when it comes to the challenges it just takes too long a lot of times agree or disagree no problems with the lower challenge I don't really care about the challenge thing. It, it doesn't make a difference to me. 10 seconds. I, they could have added 10 seconds and I wouldn't have realized, to be honest with you. It, it really doesn't make a difference to me at all. But um, as far as the three batter thing goes, it's it's nonsense across baseball. And I don't see it lasting more than two seasons. Why? That is a hell of a statement to make. Why is it a situation where you don't see it lasting? Nobody in baseball wants it. Every manager has spoken out about, uh, spoken out against it. It's eliminating the effectiveness of certain players. You're going to see guys fall off of big league rosters because they, their effectiveness is is been basically stripped. And um, the lefty specialist is no more. You're removing a strategic element from the game, and I, I just don't see it lasting. It's it's not it's not baseball. Well, sir, it is baseball. Um, Trevor Bauer would disagree with me by saying, you know, I, I think that every minute counts. And it's not because of the, the total time of game, it's pace of game. And when we're sitting here after every single batter, we got one bat. I, I say at least try this. Let's see how it works out. So uh, it would have been nice to have it for a full spring training, test it out, and then the next year you implement it. And we didn't see that, but I would like to see how we can get the game moving a little bit faster. And this is one way to do it. It may only last one or two seasons. That's fine, but I like the effort. At least we have an effort to try and pick up the pace. But let me ask you this, though. We're, we're now adding a 26th man to the uh, 25-man roster. We are stripping the lefty specialist, we're, so we're eliminating roles. In the future, we're going to see the DH in the National League um, so we're going to eliminate the pinch hitter largely because in American League games, you see a pinch hitter with less than one plate appearance per game, whereas National Leagues, it's uh, right around two and a half. So you're eliminating that role. What the hell are all these other guys going to do that are on the bench? I don't care. Just make the game faster. I don't care what the other guys are doing on the bench. And I, I know you know this. I can't stand the DH that it's coming to the National League, and it is. It's going to come to the National League. It, it takes a lot of strategery out. And actually, a pitcher have to face three batters. That actually, now that I think about it, and I'm, I'm working through this, that's actually going to ch- slow the game down a little bit too, right? Or it's going to change the game because if you have a guy come in and face one batter, you can't pinch hit for him yes, in the middle can. of an inning or can no, no, no. You can. It, it's if a guy ends an inning, then a new guy can come out. It's only a guy has to face three consecutive batters oh, if fine. he's starting an inning or comes in and would otherwise face three batters. Um, however, what about all the the people who are going to leave with the sore arm in the middle of the game? How do you disprove? How do you prove malingering? Right? It's it, being in the military. It's something I've never seen somebody actually get hit for is faking an injury, and it's it's something that. People can, um, you know, you can get a lot of trouble for, but how are you going to prove that in baseball? A guy but, says my arm hurts, then his arm hurts. How many and, and times? That, hold on. How many times has a starter pulled that over the years? 
I, 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 I don't know, know but you don't but I'll know tell either. You, they've had every opportunity to do it for the last 150 years, and it's not something we've ever called out here. So if this happens from time to time, hopefully we'd just be blind to it. I think it will happen more often than than uh, than you think. Guys are just going to say, my arm hurts. Strategically so, yes. And they're going to come back the next game and pitch, and then we're going to go down that rabbit hole. That's what you think is the worst case scenario there. I, I don't know if that's the worst case scenario, but that's one of the reasons why I don't see this lasting. Yeah, I think it lasts. I, th- I think it lasts more than a couple of years if if we see the pace of the game pick up a little bit. Like of all the rules Manfred has brought in, what's the most egregious to you? Is it the pitch clock? Is it no, the no, three no. batter minimum? What is it? The it's these. I can't really pick one, but it, the, the aggregate of all these little rules who that are supposed to eliminate ten seconds here and eliminate make this guy face two more batters. It, it started with the intentional walk. We removed the intentional walk uh, from baseball. In effect. Uh, shortening the game by 1.5 pitches. That is how many, uh, how many, I don't know if I'm even making sense, how fewer pitches we're, we're seeing per game because the guy no longer um, has to throw the intentional walk pitches. And because of this, we've been stripped of a beautiful part of baseball that you got to see <laughs> once every five years where a guy goes ahead and swings at that pitch. Uh. Tell me, go watch that Miguel Cabrera when he was 20 years old hit a walk-off on an intentional walk pitch and tell me that's not exciting. It's, it's one of the most lasting memories uh, in, in this um, since 2000 in, in baseball. So that's one of your top memories. Miguel Cabrera be. hitting an intentional walk pitch for a home run. This has it's, made Ryan Spader's top 1000 list. I would say probably top 100. Yeah, that is ridiculous. I actually enjoy that too. Fine. Go. I don't want to see a guy throw four intentional balls. That is something about baseball I do not miss. Absolutely not. The the pitch clock, fine. I just wish they'd enforce the rules. That's the only thing. Just a couple of years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I don't know how long it was, but Major League Baseball said you got to keep a foot in the box. Keep a foot in the box. But they That's don't do that. going to make the game go a lot faster. They don't do it. I know they don't. They never enforced it, and it pissed me and off. They the- did it during spring training. You know, you really would have hated the 1987 baseball season because they called a balk. They called more more balks that year. That drove me nuts. The commissioner's office said, hey, you know, we, we got to do something about these balks. I don't know who complained about this, but it got to the point to where you set a record for balks, and it was the dumbest thing ever. That gonna drove ch- me nuts. I'm going to check you on that and, and call you out if, uh, if you're wrong, but... Uh, one thing that I would love to see with this intentional walk uh, nonsense, and I've been calling it for years, is I would love to see a manager with his team getting pummeled in like the fourth inning, losing nine to one or something, mm-hmm. and rain is in the forecast. You know it's coming. And so what he has his pitcher do is just intentional walk after intentional walk after intentional walk because the batters cannot swing. And whereas if he tried to pull this, the batter could just strike out on purpose. Now, in the rules, a team can. Um, there's technically you can't circumvent this by doing so, but you would really have to know the rules. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the loophole was that uh, the opposing team could enforce so that the uh, team that was losing couldn't get away with this. But I think one team could get away with it one time. And it would be really interesting to see just a, a carousel of intentional walks because you're trying to get to that rain delay. By the way, it may have been 1988, not 1987. I just want it was one of the one of the two years, 87 or 88. Well, 87 was the last year of the uh, uh, other than what was it, 2019, the last time they had the uh, quote unquote juiced ball era when Wade Boggs hit 24 home runs, uh, having never hit more than um, 87, eight before that, I believe. 87 was the rabbit ball year. 87 was when everybody was hitting home runs. It was the right. wildest year ever, and I think it was 19. 19- 88 when they just said here we're going to call a balk on everything and i cannot imagine if that was going on today how big of an outrage we've had and it was stupid it it actually elongated the games games weren't going on that long but it did along elongate the games speak now or forever hold your peace on this no that's that's all i got i just i don't like the rule changes i wish the the game would go back to like it was in like give me like mid 2000s or late 90s rules 
uh, and let's let's play I baseball that those way. Rules. Oh, you hated the no. Go you, back to the '80s, man. Just go back. Everything was fine. You want to go back to 1988 with your balk? No, like 85, 86 would be nice. The games were fast. Yeah, you know, the the pitchers knew. Let's just get the pitch up there. We're not going to worry about guys banging on trash cans. We're going to go worry about a clock. Just get the game moving and keep it moving. Anyways, we got no baseball. We got no NBA, NHL, or college hoops. And you're probably thinking there's nothing to bet on, but you're wrong. Bet Online has hundreds of places to wager. Online casino, poker, blackjack, open 24 hours a day. It's online. You don't have to stand near anybody. You don't have to social distance. You can just do it by yourself. So sports aren't totally done. You still got MMA. You got esports. And if you're new into entertainment, you can bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's bet online, Blue Wire, to get your 50% welcome bonus. Blue Wire. Bet online is your new ticket to online action. All right, we move on now to the NCAA baseball. You know, I don't know if we've ever talked NCAA baseball in this, but I know something's on your mind right now. So set it up. Tee it up, buddy. What do you got going on with the NCAA and these seniors? Well, I think it's wonderful that they're going to give them back their eligibility, but this causes a litany of problems for coaches uh, and the NCAA teams as a whole because you have uh, incoming freshmen who are expecting scholarship money, and then you have seniors who are supposed to be leaving for the draft or um, leaving to go on and live their professional lives in some other way who are now going to stick behind. So there's not really room for both of them, and there's not really money for both of them. There's definitely not room on the roster for both of them. So some you're going to – I guess you're going to have to redshirt guys that you otherwise wouldn't, or you're going to have to cut some seniors who would have been on the team uh, this year, but next year they just don't make it. And that's going to cause all kinds of problems across uh, NCAA, in my opinion. I, I don't I don't see how there's a way to give them both unless um, you increase scholarship money and then also increase the roster size. So this is going to be an issue, not just for college baseball, but probably other schools too. And it's something the NCAA has got to work out. And if a player is good enough, though, to go to Major League Baseball, he's not going to return to college for a fifth year. Well, let's talk about a guy who would get drafted in the 14th round or something who, yeah, maybe he's got a shot, but what if he comes back? He's like, yeah, I'll come back my senior year uh, or my second senior year, I guess. And then um, maybe I can get myself, uh, you know, top 10 round money. Um, And you see it all the time where a guy who gets drafted maybe in the eighth round. One guy that comes to mind is Philip Clark, Vanderbilt's catcher, who um, he left the game because they gave him, he left for the bigs because they gave him like third round money to sign with the team instead of that eighth round slot. Now, that isn't something you're really going to see impact the the seniors because it's, you know, this was supposed to be their last shot at it. But um, I, I just, I, I don't see a senior saying like, okay, you know, I'm good with my, $5,000 signing bonus and uh, I'm not going to go out and play my senior uh, my second senior season I guess and and see if I can't get more out of it. This is going to be really interesting. It, it really is. Um but again, it's not going to affect Major League Baseball in any way because these guys aren't coming back. The best players are just not coming back for a fifth year. I just don't see it happening. And I don't see it happening in any sport. Where players are right, going to be that good, they come back for a fifth year. Now, it might screw a freshman coming in, but if the freshman is going to be you know, a, a first, second, third round pick in a couple of years, then that's not going to affect them either. Well, it, it's going to affect the team as a whole because say you got a freshman coming in who's on – typically these guys get ladder scholarships, right? Mm-hmm. Their freshman year, they'll get 0.25 or 25%. 25% their sophomore, then 50, then 75 or something, right? Well, how, how do you uh, – deal with this if this freshman's going to end up getting redshirted for his freshman year and then he's going to end up playing his true freshman year his sophomore season and then so on how, how do you work the scholarship money without giving you're going to have to give these teams more scholarship money for the next not just this season but for the next five seasons it's the only way that this can possibly work out and we keep talking betting i will put an over under right now on um fifth round of a senior who will come back. I, I will say uh, it will go 
fifth round or over, or excuse me, a fifth round or under for somebody who will return back to their college program for their season, uh, for their senior, second senior season. What's your solution? Not to let these kids come back then? No, I, I, I definitely think that was the right move, but you can't just offer uh, that as a solution and then not offer any solutions to the new problems it creates because in reality it creates more problems uh, than there were in the first place. And I'm not saying that they should have not let these kids come back because they absolutely should have, but you need to fix the problems that it's creating now. All right, my man. We got one more big uh, topic here and then we'll move on and get out and we'll have our, our Thursday pod this week. It's actually going to have Brett Boone. We're going to talk to him about that Trevor Bauer Sandlot game. But um, there, listen, if you are a Major League Baseball beat writer or columnist or whatever, you and I could just talk about anything. We could talk about NCAA and seniors. We could talk about Rod Carew stats. We could do all that. But these beat writers, dude, they are just straight struggling. And they're trying to come up with fun stuff. And I actually found one fun article on MLB.com. And it is, um, they came up with one classic game to watch online for every team. Major League Baseball for years, Spader, you could not get any of their content online. Like you couldn't see highlights on Twitter. The the YouTube channel was awful. They didn't have a lot. And they put like a million videos in there right now. So first of all, congratulations. You know, that's awesome. You can go back and watch anything you want to watch. If you want to watch the 1984 season, go for it. You could probably find a whole bunch of cool stuff. I love it. It's terrific. But they came up with this thing, one classic game to watch online for every single team. And uh, for me growing up a Mets fan, no longer being a Mets fan, but growing up a Mets fan, of course, the ball gets by Buckner, game six of the 86 World Series. You're a Phillies fan, and they said they win it all for the first time. Have you ever watched game six of the 1980 World Series? Yeah, I've, I've watched it. And Have you? You know what disappointed me is I uh, later learned that what they've done now is, um, or since, is they overdubbed it so that Harry Callis makes the final call. But he, I found out, uh, I think it was probably right before the Phillies won in 2008, that Callis didn't actually make that call. And the first time he called the Phillies winning the World Series was 2008. So that kind of took a little bit away what? from it for me. Yeah. So it, in this video, they they dubbed his voice over the actual call? Correct. Because it was like a national broadcast and the national broadcasters had to do it. You're Joe Bucks of the era, if you will. That that's asinine. I agree, but probably only you picked up on that. Um, probably me and maybe a handful of others who are alive for it. Real quick, I, we go off on tangents. I told you about Harry Callis dying in Washington D.C., right? No, I don't believe you I, did. I, really, I never told you that. It's one of the worst memories I ever have for Major League Baseball, and I don't even remember what year it was. But as you know, I used to cover the Nats, and I go down there all the time, and and. Um, all of a sudden you hear this, like one person screamed and another person's like, go get help. And another person's like nine one one. The Phillies were in Washington DC for a se for a series. And I had actually talked to Callis. I, I don't think it was that day, but it was recently before that. And he ended up collapsing in the press box. So there's a whole bunch of levels at nationals park. Level four is where all the newspaper writers go. But level five is where you have the home broadcast. You got the away broadcast, radio, television, the national broadcast. And then there's always a booth or two down at the end. And I used to squeeze into a booth and I just hear people screaming. And, and it was Harry Callis. He passed out and later died from that. It's just an absolutely brutal situation. Um, and I remember it just being very eerie at that ballpark for the next week or two. So there you go. That's going thanks, off on a tangent. Thanks for depressing me. Well, that, thanks for being uh, an asshole and, talk, and ruining the 1980 World Series for me. Yeah. Jesus. When he really wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. So anyways, with all this being said, and they've got one classic game for every team. So they got your stuff. They came up with the Padres, 84 NLCS game five. That's, um, I think Leon the Burl Durham made a huge, huge error in that series where the Cubs were up two games to none and the Padres just came back. Uh, for the Rockies, Ubaldo's no-hitter in 2010. You can't find a better game than that. Like, what, didn't they have 163 when my guy Blummer and Latroy Hawkins were both in that game? 
Yeah, that's uh, it's odd that they went with that. Yeah, and, uh, it, it is a little bit odd to tell you the truth. Um, like the Astros move on after a marathon win in the uh, NLDS Game Four, two thousand five. Like I purposefully would go out of my way to watch one of the trash can games. What about it's going back to the Rockies? Why? Like, how did they not? The, the Rockies won, I think, seven straight to get to the World Series. How is that not part of that? I don't know, and that's what I'm saying. They won all those games. They came back from a massive deficit. What was it? maybe 20 out of 22? They won, and if it's yeah. not perfectly right, it's right around that number. Right. But yeah, let's, they're not going to get all of them right. I have no interest in watching that. I just saw the Indians have that monster 22 straight wins. You know, I'm not going to go back and watch the Indians in 2017. I'm probably going to go watch them clinch the American League before they got to the World Series. The Royals, they won their first title, 85 game seven. I'd rather watch 85 game six because that was the Denkinger play where Steve Balboni had the ball. These Cardinals should have won the 85 World Series. I'm glad they didn't, but that's what happened. And don't take you know it what? personally, Cardinals fans. Again, I was a Mets fan, and back in the day, the Mets and the Cardinals had the best rivalry of the '80s. Well, that's going into rule changes, but uh, but um, like you said, we go off on tangents. But yeah, that's that's why we need to get rid of interleague baseball. But I digress. Hold and, on, you um, want to get rid of interleague baseball? Yeah, you no longer have rivalries like the Mets and the Cardinals, the Phillies and the Cubs, the Phillies and the Pirates. It's it's been stripped from the game because of this interleague nonsense, and it's got to go. No, they're not in the same division anymore. That's the only reason why. And no, it's not because, it's because of, of the schedule. Interleague yes, or the it ske- absolutely is. No, they're not in the same division. The reason why they hated each other so much is because they were in the same division. They played each other, I think, 19 times, at least 19 times. There were less teams back there. And then every year they switch off winning the division. 85, 86, 87, 88. Write this down. We need to get into this in depth. <laughs> well, we need to get into what in depth? The interleague play the, or the rivalry? Abs- the interleague play. Well, fine. We don't have, there's no program director to tell us what we can and can't talk about. <laughs> I'll get back to the damn videos in a second. How can you argue anything other than these teams were division rivals? Because you have teams, they're playing like 24 interleague games a year where they could be playing other teams within their league. And uh, moreover, I think that there should be two expansion teams. There will be two expansion teams. You're probably going to see a team pop up in like Portland or uh, New Orleans. Who, who knows? And then you're going to see the divisions go back to eight and eight. And uh, I wrote a, a piece in the offseason uh, about the postseason changing and how it ideally would work with two divisions of eight and eight and eight and eight. And then you have the postseason set up sort of like hockey. And then you have a baseball tournament. How exciting that would be. But you're not going to do that with um, with the current uh, setup. Personally, I would love to see it go back to four divisions. That would be amazing. And then take the old hockey divisions like the, the Smythe and the Patrick division and put them in baseball. There's got to be something better than the East and the West. I'm, I would think it'd be terrific to have that. And honestly, interleague play, as much as I used to love it, I'm kind of over it too. But yeah, just, you still it's, can't, it's, unless they put the Mets and the Cardinals in the same division, the rivalry's never going to be the same. Unless they put, I mean, I'm trying to think of some other th- The Giants and the Braves had a little rivalry a long time ago. Unless you put those two teams in the same division, it's just not going to be the same thing. I don't know. I think it would. Uh, you would see it sort of come back if these teams weren't just playing one series in each other's stadium each season. Even if they're playing two apiece, it, it would um, certainly recharge it a little bit, in my opinion. But uh, getting back to these these videos, right, of each of these games, mm-hmm. I think that. So I, I first I looked at who wrote this, and it's uh, uh, four different writers who uh, I all actually really like Sarah Langs, Andrew Simon, Ran- Manny Randawa. I'm sure I'm pronouncing his wrong- name wrong and Jason Katina and each one, you note that the, uh, the video is available. So it's possible that they've been hamstrung by um, choosing in only games that the entire game is available online. Mm, okay. Let's give each our, our three. You start with the first one, then I'll go to the next one. The number one game. The top three games that you will be watching as you're quarantined. What's number right, one? Aren't we going to do this backwards? Isn't that the way you radio people? Just do give this? one. Just give one of the three and we will talk about it. There'll be six games, Spader, and we'll talk about it each and every one of them. All right. Well, I'm going off the list because I don't like the list. And uh, I'll Wait, go hold with- on a second. The list from MLB? 
Yeah. Yeah, so am I. We're not even oh. using the list. <laughs> I have one game from the list. You know what's sad, people? We actually did pre-show prep for this, and we're still on this page. Clearly, <laughs> that's fine. All right, go on. What's number one? In any order. It doesn't have to be the best one, just one. I'm going with my number three first. Oh, and my that God. Would be... You're such an asshole. Just give me the freaking game already. <laughs> Jesus. Mine would be Roy Halladay's perfect game. Oh. And, uh I remember watching that because I was over a friend's house and the, the Phillies, nobody cared that night, even though Roy Holiday was pitching, the Phillies are playing the Marlins in front of like 11,000 fans. And it's the middle of the baseball season. Nobody cares. We had the Flyers playoff game on, right? And so I was watching the Phillies on my phone casually and, you know, keep going uh, back to the Flyers game. But then all of a sudden it's, I'm saying to my buddies, hey, hey guys, Holiday's perfect through four. Hey, Holiday's perfect through five. And sure enough, we ended up switching from the uh, Flyers game to watch uh, Roy Holiday finish up the uh, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning and close out that perfect game instead of uh, having the Flyers go. Wow, that's pretty good. All right, I like it. Mine, actually, my first one was on the list. Game 686, as I said before, sitting up in the loge section. Um, it was my grandpa. It was me. It was my uncle and some slut he was banging at the time. She was, and listen, I'm sorry I'm so randy tonight. Usually you're the one with the bad words. I'm the one with the bad words. I've been cooped up in my house just way too long. Don't put that on me. We're all cooped up. Yeah, but you're, I mean, you're single. It's just easier for you. You can do whatever you want to do, you know? You just put me in a shit storm. Why? I really really hope my lady friend doesn't listen to this. If you are not married, you are single. By law. Uh, that's, By law, that's, you are yeah, not okay. married. So there's your argument, okay? You're single. You don't have any right. kids. You don't have, you I'm don't in have the clear. anything. Game 686, ball goes under Buckner. Again, I fell asleep. I was living in Atlanta at the time, born in New York, so I was a big Mets fan. And my uncle, who was loaded, just keeps flying me up there for these World Series games. So we go to game one. We go to game two. Boom, fly home. I think the series is over. They go, they win two out of three in Boston. They come back. Game six, I'm so exhausted. I got straight D's that year, 1986. Straight D's for that first semester. And I'm so tired because these games are going so late. I fell asleep. I, I the, the Red Sox took the lead in extra innings. I fell asleep. I'm sitting out there. And finally, Mitchell gets on. My pops wakes me up. And boom, the game ends. But game 686, I can watch that anytime. I actually still have that on VHS. My dad was taping it for me back home when it was on. I got that game on original VHS. So I'm not even going to bother watching it online i'm gonna watch it with just with a a vhs machine that i'm gonna try and buy on amazon that's a great idea isn't it do you Uh, even know what one of those are have you heard of a vhs yeah i was i was around for those you were i was Hmm. number two number two for me is gonna be again halliday roy halliday's no hitter in the playoffs that same season uh 20 at 2019 2009 against the reds and for that one, I specifically recall me and my buddies were all in a bar called Pickles, which kind of we kind of made into like a Philly bar at Penn State. And um, we all got absolutely annihilated. And when Roy Halladay finished off his uh, no hitter, we threw beer all over the place and got kicked out and we're not allowed back in for some time. Great story. Riveting. Yeah. Game six, 1947. I was not at this game. I was not even a twinkle in my father's eye. I think he was, uh, oh, he wasn't even born by this time. So anyways, um, I've told you about the Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio autograph picture. I got both their autographs. I went to card shows and I got a chance to meet it. I think Williams was the first and then I went to Joe DiMaggio. And the reason why I say this, and I still have never seen this game and I'm going to try and find it online if I can. I've seen the highlight of the catch. But for Joe DiMaggio, I was trying to get his autograph. Um, I didn't. I wasn't in line like the people I was with. I was with a friend and his parents and they were leaving. They're like, we got to go. And my ticket was like an hour away. So I just went up there. I was like, Mr. DiMaggio, Mr. DiMaggio. My grandpa says that you're the greatest ball player that you ever played. And you got robbed by Gianfrido. I didn't even know who Gianfrido was. He's like, your grandpa's is a pretty smart guy. Let me sign all your stuff. He was awesome. It made me so happy. Game six, 1947. Dodgers, Yankees, Yankees would go on to win this thing in seven games. But in game six, a guy named Archie Gianfrido, this was before the internet. So I didn't know who the hell Archie Gianfrido was, made this spectacular catch robbing Joe DiMaggio in game six. I would like to watch that whole game just because it would mean a lot to me to see that whole thing and how it ties in. And my grandpa was at that game. And then he's asking me to ask DiMaggio game six, 47. That's the other game I wish I would, I would be able to watch online. 
That's a, that's a good one. And you know what? We got to see if we can get Pete Rose on here to tell his Joe DiMaggio story. Well, can you give me a hint? Yeah, he. Uh, I'll, I'll just straight up tell you. He, he took a shower with Joe DiMaggio and said he was a, uh, a man with a penis or a penis with a man attached to him. You know, my son's got a hog. He's only two. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm proud of him, man. That kid is just going to have such an easy life once he gets older. Jesus, as if that's what. <laughs> you want to give me the third one? Yeah, no, I'll give you my first one because I'm an asshole. Oh, because you went backwards. Yeah. All number right, one. Whatever. Number one for me is the Phillies 2008 World Series clincher. Uh, that was the one that Cole Hamill started, but then it was in a three-day rain delay. I was actually there for the first start or the start of it, but then I had to go back to Penn State. And I ended up watching it with uh, the final, I think it was the final, I want to say four innings or three innings. I can't recall. Um, no, I'm lying to you. It was five. And I uh, watched the final five innings uh, at a buddy's place. And during those five innings, I drank three Mickey's 40s and was absolutely annihilated by the end of it. And we paraded in the street as if it was Philadelphia when the Phillies won. And it was just uh, everything was right with the world. I was 20, 19 years old, hammered in the street with the Phillies being the world champions. That was my last full year with MLB Network Radio. Uh, it was right during the merger with Sirius and XM, and I was assigned to cover the National League playoffs that year. And I swear to God, dude, uh, the weather was just horrible in Philadelphia. That's a, You'll remember that. And I was at, I'll was i never forget that game because, as I've told you before, after the Phillies won, guy set a towel on fire and tried to kill me. It was just it was – Philadelphia is just a cesspool. Was this, was and this a hate crime? And it figures that you're from there because you're the, exactly the type of person that nobody needs to be around. And that was scary, man. But you're right. I didn't think that that place would be packed. I thought a lot of people would be in your situation. What was it, two days between the the stoppage in play and then they picked up the next one? I'm sitting with Billy Ripken. I think it was, you know who it was? It was probably Rob Bibble, who I have zero respect for. But we were just sitting there talking baseball. We'd go into the ballpark and do our shows waiting for that game to come. I really did not think that that place would be as far. I thought... Two thirds capacity, and that'd be it. No, I mean I don't know who you gave your ticket to, but that place was packed, and it was an amazing atmosphere. And it was forget about shortening the season to a hundred games. Let's shorten games to five innings. That was amazing. Oh my god! I'm yes. kidding about that, but man, that was a really cool atmosphere. I was is I this, was impressed. Is this why you want the season shortened? Because you were dealing with a, a game that had a start time or a, a start temperature of 47 degrees and was rainy. it? Yeah. Was it like, I think I just hung out where it was warm anyways. After a while, you see so many damn baseball games, like, screw it. I'll just watch it inside. I'll come out when there's a big situation. I'll just watch the rest inside. I don't understand how you can be so jaded by this wonderful sport. I I watch 250 games a year and I never get sick of it. Listen, what is your other passion in life? Besides Um, for this, what's your other passion? Sex? You can have, (laughs) I mean, that's 10 minutes out of your day. Okay. What else do you have? Going well, on gotta, besides for baseball. Seriously. I got the whole, you know, I got to be a Marine by day. Okay. Thing. Uh, I, I also enjoy the NHL. You do enjoy um, hockey, don't you? I like, I do. Uh, it's actually, actually, you know, it's funny. Hockey is the only sport that I would rather go to in person than watch on TV. Really? Every other sport I'd rather watch on TV. I've only got so two much. sports I'd rather go to in person. Hockey is number is number two. College basketball is number one. But I'm with you. I can see you on the college basketball. Like I can go to. I'd still rather watch on TV though. If I go to eight to ten baseball games a year, that's plenty for me. Just because you you and I both bet on it, I'd rather have eight games on at once, just flipping through, and mm-hmm. with multiple televisions. That to me is more fun. See, I I I've had seasons since I've joined the uh, military. I've had seasons where I've gone to no games and I didn't even think anything of it. Um, last season. Uh, I think last season, maybe two seasons ago, it was the first time I got credentialed. And the only time I was going to games was to sit in the stupid press box. I actually, I'll have to tell you a story about, I went to Philly's um, game and I, I accidentally cheered in the press box. It was really embarrassing. Well, to you've told you me that, that story. Uh, did I? I don't even care anymore. I, <laughs> seriously, some, I, I have a lot of friends that are sports writers. There's a few guys that are just really old now though. And if you raise your voice one time, they lose it. And that, I would is, purposefully raise my voice a little bit from time to time. Is that just a, to mis- piss them off? 
Does that include Mr. Tom Lavero? You know what? I never met or talked to that guy. Yeah, he. Um, you know what? I take that back because I have I have been close to him. Nobody knows who he is. He's a, he's a guy that's been in DC a long time. Are you about to shit on him? No, I'm not gonna shit on the guy. But it's funny because Please I've do. done I, I've done uh, hits on your old station with him on there, and I've never brought it up because I don't want to uh, rub them the wrong way. But in I think it was 2014, I sent him a tweet just saying I very respectfully I was like, hey, Mr. Lavaro, you know I call these guys trying to be respectful of the gentleman. I said, Mr. Lavar, I noticed that you don't vote for Tim Raines. I was wondering if I could have the opportunity to convince you otherwise. You know what he said to me? Fuck off. He said nothing and blocked me. He blocked you? <laughs> yes. Our only interaction ever was me <laughs> asking him if I could show him the stuff I've written on Tim Raines and some of the numbers I've discovered and, uh, him responding by blocked because nobody deserves an opinion on the sport except for the sancti the, the whatever yes. sanctum no 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 I don't want to say sanctimonious because it's not all of them but nobody deserves an opinion but the BBWAA because they are all knowing all powerful and they should have the only say well the only th the other thing is is that um, they think that we all want this vote for the for I don't. I really don't care about the Hall of Fame. I'm not going back to Cooperstown anytime soon. It's a cesspool. It's 100 degrees with high humidity. There's no hotels to stay in. You're staying in these uh, teepees with people that just smell awful. Um, it, it, Cooperstown, they need to move the Hall of Fame too. That That's the worst place. Why would you go there? You go there year after year. Can't you see just a better town to go to than Cooperstown? Like, let's go to Seattle. Beautiful weather, perfect weather that time of year. Easier to get to. You would think it's tougher to get to Seattle. It's impossible to get to Cooperstown. You either got to drive there or fly into Albany. Yeah, let's just get rid of that place. I, I do believe, uh, just to, I know you're not spewing bullshit here. I, I, I believe I invited you when Tim Raines invited me up for his induction. And you said, fuck now. I'll I'm never not going go back to Cooperstown. No, nope, I told you the <laughs> next time I'm going is either Bonds or Clemens. I will go with you, and then that will be the last time I go. I have one more trip stuck in me. Besides what if, what for that, if, forget it. What if your son wants to drag his hog up there and would you take him up? Uh, you know, me talking about it is one thing. You talking about it <laughs> makes me want to call somebody and report you. But oh, Jesus. with all that being said, if he wants to go there, I hope that you and I will still be talking and he can experience it with you. Or all maybe right. it's the year Bonds goes, you know? And my daughter likes it too. I mean, she loves going to baseball games. I'm all for getting women into baseball. Love it. Absolutely love it. I don't want her to be around baseball players, but she loves baseball. She loves going to the games. So yeah, just because it's my son, my, my daughter, you know, I'm, I'm happy for her. Anyways, I still got one game that I want to go find on, on the internet to go watch. And that was the Giants-Dodgers one-game playoff in 1951 where the famous call is, the Giants, we're dependent, the Giants. Bobby Thompson hitting that home run. Could you imagine being at that game? Oh, my no, God. They... That, would, that, to me... And Mazeroski hitting the, the walk-off home run for the Pirates in Game 7. Those are, to me, that they just don't get talked about very often. And I wish I could go back and watch those games in completion. In completion, not just like the one highlight. I'd like to see the flow of that game, and I haven't gotten into that yet. Well, you, you know, you bring up Mazeroski, and I just got to throw one thing back at you. And and the to tie it in with the Hall of Fame, I, I really believe that if Maz didn't hit that homer, he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because he sucked. Dude had a 299 career on base percentage. I don't care how good his glove was. He was terrible. I mean, this guy made Omar Vizquel look like Barry Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Revisionist history. Are you taking people out of the Hall of Fame, by the way? I can't do that. I mean, I, let's say they're dead. And they've been dead for at least 50 years. Would you take them out? No, I'm not taking anybody out. Okay. I, I just got I just got in a heated argument. The I won't say heated, but sometimes I try to avoid those on on Twitter anymore because you're talking to the wall essentially. But um, the other day, somebody was saying, you know, Lou Brock's one of the worst Hall of Famers ever, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I can I can see why you're saying that because looking back and applying today's metrics to him, yeah, that's a true statement. However, Lou Brock did exactly what was expected of a leadoff hitter 
during the time in which he played because the time in which he played stolen base efficiency wasn't even a thing on base percentage wasn't a thing a leadoff hitter was supposed to hit for a high average uh and steal bases and lou brock did that with the best of them so he's absolutely a hall of famer throwing the three thousand hits which is an arbitrary number another topic for another time but throw in that and he was one of the best at doing what he was supposed to do at his time. When you look at the numbers in hindsight, he wasn't that good. But we have different rules and different rules of um, productivity today. So you can't look at apply those to Lou Brock and say uh, he sucked because he didn't do what we want players to do today then. All right, here's what we got. We got this show. So this is our second episode, and we'll have Brett Boone coming on for our Thursday show. What do we talk to Brett Boone about? Because he's with MLB Network now, right? He's part of the Boone family. Yeah, and um, so Booney's got a kid who actually lost his senior season playing ball in Princeton. Now, he was already drafted by the Twins. be very interesting to see if these guys who didn't sign contracts because they lose their senior season, but they're going to get it back, if they are allowed to then go ahead and sign those contracts with the team that initially drafted them. Um, but Booney's got a kid playing ball at Princeton. He's a pretty good uh, ball player. There, there's hopes that he's the fourth generation, the first ever fourth generation player to make the um, the big leagues. So we'll touch on that. And then also, as you teased earlier, the uh, the Bauer Sandlot game. And uh, Booney's got an opinion on that. Did you know that he is related to Daniel Boone? I off the top of my head, I don't even know who Dan Boone is. You got to be kidding me. You, you do this to me. What do you mean? All this the time. is American history. This is not uh, some joke. This is like legit. Daniel Boone, American Revolution, buddy. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Man. I think he had a television show named after him. Yep. You know, so I don't even know why we're doing this show anymore. Anyways, uh, episode number two is in the books. Check out Ryan on Twitter at the Ace of Spader. I'm Holden Kushner, and we'll catch you on Thursday.